The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Afternoon, Proverbs chapter 28, various uh, verses from Proverbs 28. Uh, we are looking at, up there, yep, you see them right up there. Proverbs 28, 6, 8, 11, and 17 through 27. So if you turn there now, we can give our attention to the reading of God's Word and hear what He has to say to us, His adopted sons, in whom He wants to instill wisdom and guide and direct us. So Proverbs chapter 28, let's now give our attention as God Himself speaks to us in His Holy Word. Beginning with verse 6. Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. And then verse 8. Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. And verse 11. A rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding will find him out. And then verse 17 to the end of the chapter. If one is burdened with the blood of another, he will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. To show partiality is not good, but for, a, but for a piece of bread a man will do wrong. A stingy man hastens for after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says, that is no transgression, is a companion to a man who destroys. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Whoever gives to the poor will not be in want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Well, this concludes the reading of God's Word. May God once again be pleased to add His blessing to it. Well, if you're looking for financial advice, there's plenty out there to choose from. Uh, there's many sorts of online help. There's many financial planners, advisors. Uh, whole organizations and career paths are devoted to this. Dave Ramsey is a well-known Christian uh, in, within the Christian community. Uh, financial guy who helps with practical Planning And all of these can be helpful uh, to some degree. And the Bible also talks about us managing our finances and being wise when it comes to money. But as we've seen in our passage today, where many of the resources focus on step-by-step planning, which of course can be helpful, the Bible focuses on one's character when it comes to having wealth. And so we're going to look at four character traits that can affect the outcome of wealth. They are perversity, pride, poor, which just refers to how we interact with them, and then fourth, uh, 
purpose or pursuit. So, first, perversity. We see in verse 6, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. So, the Proverbs is essentially saying, okay, before you focus on finances, we need to focus on character. You can have all the wealth in the world, but if you have failed to have good character, you have not met God's objective. Our objective should not be getting all the wealth at all costs. Rather, we should be people of integrity. Integrity means that our life is consistent and above reproach regardless of whether or not someone is watching us. Integrity makes us faithful, trustworthy, and reliable. And though we be poor, good character is of greater worth than many riches. And we see from this verse, by the way, that being of good character does not guarantee that you are going to be wealthy. Because as we see here, that it's the poor man who has the integrity. That the price of good character is much higher than all the world's wealth. And we see the value of integrity in verse 18, jumping down to that. Whoever walks in integrity will be delivered, but he who is crooked in his ways will suddenly fall. Now, this verse doesn't say what integrity delivers from. We need to fill it in. And we fill it in based on the overall context of the Proverbs, where it talks about if you live like a fool, these are the consequences you're going to face. Wisdom is what delivers us from being foolish and from the consequences that one faces for being foolish. And so that is what this is saying. It's integrity that's going to deliver us from being foolish and the consequences that come from walking in foolishness. But he who is crooked in his ways, that is opposite of integrity, will suddenly fall. That is, when he's not expecting it because his own sin has deceived him. His consequences will sideswipe him. His sin will catch up to him. And speaking of consequences from poor character, verse 17 says, If one is burdened with the blood of another, he will be a fugitive until death. Let no one help him. This is speaking of someone who's burdened in his conscience. Literally, his conscience is oppressing him. And his conscience is oppressing him because of the blood of another man. That is, he shed the blood of another man. It's because he murdered a man. And our verse says he will be, literally from the Hebrew, he will be one who flees as far as the pit. The pit can be a place where he hides and he lives for the rest of his life. Or an idiom for the grave where he is going to flee until he dies. In any case, the scripture calls us not to help or support such a one. Not to protect him from his consequences or enable him who destroys others' lives. But we may offer him a greater help. We may offer him the good news of great joy where there is free forgiveness in the gospel. Now, there was a, a man <clears throat> in, in prison in Nebraska for murdering a police officer. And uh, one of the elders in the church I attended <clears throat> reached out to this man and would go visit people in prison and shared the gospel. And this man uh, was a believe, became a believer. And 
he uh, began to be used by the Lord, actually, in prison to, to teach others, to spread the gospel towards others. He seemed to be gifted towards that. All the while, he's on death row. And just because he became a believer does not mean he no longer is liable to face those consequences. And so while he's going to face those consequences, yet he will not face eternal consequences because of what Christ had done for him in dying in his place that he may be forever forgiven. That's the grace of the gospel that we have believed, that it saves even the vilest of sinners. In verse 21, to show partiality is not good, but for a piece of bread, a man will do wrong. A part of the corruption of character is to show partiality, to set aside truth, justice, principles, and convictions for the sake of a particular person. And to depict how susceptible we are to this, because in our pride, what do we say? I would never do that. I do not choose relationships over truth. Well, it says here that for a piece of bread, a man will do wrong. This is how small of a bribe it takes for someone to show favor or partiality. And so we we see how easily one would show favor to someone who's rich, whom they perceive can bless them. But this also happens for reasons other than money. We could set aside our convictions and principles for the sake of receiving and maintaining favor with a particular group or a particular person. But as God says here, this is not good. Better is what verse 23 mentions. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. It's easier to be a flatterer. how, How many of us rebut somebody that compliments us. Someone gives us a compliment. We say, no, 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 you got that wrong. Let me defend myself on that. Well, we don't do that. We, Oh, yes, of course, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. But when it comes to us being challenged and having our faults shown towards us, then what happens? Are we as agreeable? No, I, I don't think so. No, 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 you got me wrong. Let me defend myself. Let me, let me challenge that. And so that's why it's easier just to flatter people, just can get along, or at least a superficial piece, rather than having to challenge people and, and rebuke and correct. Now, you don't want to be that guy that's always critical, and you're always bringing criticism. Really, you end up losing uh, a hearing by doing that. But there are times that we do need to bring both moral and doctrinal correction. And we also need to make sure that we are willing to hear it when it is brought to us. Then verse 24, whoever robs his father or his mother and says, that is no transgression, is a companion to a man who destroys. It's really just presuming upon parents. Hey, they've always provided for me. They've always been willing to give to me. I don't think they would mind if I just took something that uh, I don't need to ask their permission for. Uh, perhaps in our day, it's things like borrowing their credit card, racking up debt on it, taking some cash out of their money jar, or using their name to sign off on a loan. Or maybe as they, as they get older and they're, they're dying, we say, yeah, I think I could just take all this stuff or their inheritance. It really doesn't matter. It's easy to think because they're my parents and I've received so much from them, I can just take from them no big deal. 
the proverb here says that it's the same as one who destroys, who destroys a life. A second character trait that can affect the outcome of one's wealth is pride. Look at verse 11. A rich man is wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has understanding will find him out. Now, a rich man is not necessarily somebody who has a lot of wealth. A rich man in Scripture refers more to one's pursuits than his purse. It's not so much what's in his wallet as it as is what's in his heart. So I think it's that what Capital One commercial. What's in your wallet? Well, the Scripture says what's in your heart is the way it would put it. Uh, he pursues the things of this world and seeks first the treasures on earth. Uh, nevertheless, someone with a lot of wealth can be susceptible to these temptations towards his pride. So a rich man is one who is wise in his own eyes. You ever try to correcting him, he would come up with a million justifications. And you don't know what you're talking about. You're wrong. I am in the right. I mean, what need does he have to listen to anyone? Obviously, he's doing well. Obviously, he's found a way to be successful. He's done it. Why does he need to listen to you? However, actually, it's the poor person who has more insight and wisdom. The poor man will find him out. That is, will be able to see through him. Then verse 26. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So this is someone who trusts in himself. Whatever he thinks has to be right. How can he be wrong about anything? He has unwavering trust in his ability to reason and discern. Everyone else around him might have it wrong, but not him. His discernment can never be wrong. He has no need to be taught or corrected. He trusts in his feelings. His or her emotions are the driving force in his or her own life. If it feels good, if it feels right, it must be right. However, this person is nothing short of a fool. Which is the opposite of walking in wisdom as we see in this verse here. This means that trusting in oneself, trusting in one's own mind and heart is contrary to wisdom. If you do this, to whatever degree, you do not have wisdom. As we have seen throughout Proverbs, wisdom is to rely on counsel, is to be humble, is to be teachable, is to receive and consider correction. And also, we've seen throughout Proverbs that the main trait of a fool is to not receive this, is to reject it and to ignore it. Now, third character trait is how we interact with the poor. Look at verse 8. Whoever multiplies his wealth by interest and profit gathers it for him who is generous to the poor. Now, this is not speaking against taking any interest at all. But given the context, it's specifically charging interest to the poor. It is condemning those who use interest on the poor to amass wealth for themselves. It's taking advantage of them because the poor have no choice but to borrow. And so the rich says, this is a way for me to make some bucks. 
However, loans back then were to be given for the help and relief of the poor and not to amass wealth for oneself, not to take advantage of somebody's situation in order to increase oneself, to serve oneself. But it says here that God in His providence will work things out in a way that that one who does this will suffer loss while the blessing will go to those who are generous to the poor. And so we read in verse 27, Whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. The typical way of thinking is, if I want more, I need to keep more for myself and send less out. However, God says if you're generous to the poor, you will not be in want. The one who turns his eyes away, however, who sees someone in need, pretends like he never saw it. That one will get many a curse. God, in His providence, will direct things in such a way that He will experience difficulty and hardship, generally speaking. Now, I do want to caveat this. Because not everyone who claims to be poor is poor. Sometimes people are lazy and do not want to work. Uh, the person standing on the street corner with a sign might be poor or might just be lazy and not want to work. Hey, it's easy for me to stand here and just receive money than it is to actually work with my hands. In fact, there's a uh, rescue mission in Omaha that had helped many people. And one of the things they say is they've had years of experience in dealing with those who are homeless and poor is you actually are not helping them by letting them stand there at the street corner just giving them money. The most common request I received when I was uh, at the church in Montana, we, we uh, two highways came together. Interstate 90 ran through there and then another major highway. And there's kind of, we're at a junction. So we have a lot of people come through there. A lot of people come up to the church. And I, I mean, I probably talked to a hundred uh, of people, about 50 to 100 people in that four years I was there. And one of the top requests I would get was for money for those who ran out of gas. It's like, hey, I ran out of gas. Can you give me some money? And it's like, uh, how did you get to this spot where you're on a road trip and you didn't plan enough to pay for gas on the way? And I get all sorts of excuses. Like, well, you know, my, my great aunt, Betsy, you know, she suddenly had a stroke and I had to, I did go on a road trip. Uh, I was finding a job. One guy told me that uh, he was uh, traveling back and he had to have emergency surgery and they cut open his chest and uh, he had to pay the doctor all his money. Like, wait a minute, don't, don't you pay later? Oh, no, this, this doctor only took cash, so I'm out of cash. Well, can, can I... Can I see your wound? No, no, no. That's that's private. Just all sorts of strange things. Someone coming in overweight, smelling like weed or cigarette smoke, and like, hey, I'm broke. Can you can you help me? And so, just because uh, somebody says they're poor does not mean that they actually are poor. And so we have to be discerning. We have to be wise. We have to be charitable and gracious. But uh, I, one of the things. I, that I have found is that people tend to use the generosity of the church in order to be lazy. 
in order to take these road trips. And that's what, the, that's what they would do. They would take road trips and they knew that churches would give them if they just came and asked. And so, hey, I can take this road trip across country and my gas will be paid for. And actually it's those who pretend to be poor that rob from those who are truly poor. Because really there's only so much funds that, that we have and that, that people have. And so... Uh, while we do want to be generous to those who are in need, we do also need to be discerning. A fourth character trait that can affect the outcome of one's wealth is their pursuit. Look at verse 19. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. So what this is saying is that you will have provision by diligent hard work. Work in the land is not easy. In fact, you talk to people around here, one of the issues they're having is, what do we do with our family farm? Because people aren't sticking around uh, to, to pass it on to the next generation because they want to go out and find uh, easier work. doesn't mean that they have to be a farmer, but because of hard work and, and diligence, uh, this is how somebody is able to persist and have provision. You have plenty of bread. It's not this quick get-rich scheme, but it's diligent and hard work. But the one who follows worthless endeavors will have plenty as well, not of provision, but of poverty. And we see this same thing in verse 20. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. So a faithful person is simply just Reliable and diligent in his everyday tasks. He is committed to what has been entrusted to him. He's a good steward. He persists in it. He, can, he continues in it, and it eventually pays off. Uh, and people who just want to get rich quick usually bypass that. And that's not how the world works. Uh, it, you have a near zero chance of winning the lottery. Uh, people just don't get rich quickly. However, one who persists and is faithful uh, to what God has called him in his daily tasks, that one will abound with blessings, have many, have much provision. But the one who hastens to get rich will not go unpunished. As Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.9, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into a ruin and destruction. Rather, it's the diligent, hardened, faithful worker who will be blessed over time, generally speaking. In align with this pursuit of being rich, we see in verse 22, a stingy man hastens after wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. So someone who's stingy tends to not spend a lot. And may say, oh, this person may just manage their money well. And, and that might be true, but uh, someone who's stingy usually just wants to keep all of it to themselves and amass wealth and not be generous. In fact, uh, the, the Hebrew word there for stingy means evil eye. It's, it's somebody that doesn't have a bountiful or gracious eye who, who wants to look how he may share and give, but rather how he may keep for himself. But generally speaking, he will come to poverty. And this man will likely stir up strife. Verse 25. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be 
enriched. Now, some of your translations say a proud or arrogant man rather than a greedy man. And that's because this is a, this is a Hebrew idiom, and, and what it says literally from the Hebrew is a wide or broad soul or a large heart. And so some interpret this as that's large heart as pride. Others interpret it as greed. I think it's best to interpret this wide heart as greed because the rest of the verse literally says from the Hebrew, but one who trusts in the Lord will be made fat or sated. And so the sense seems to be that a wide and large heart is one who has a large appetite, a lot of desires that takes a lot to fill. Uh, the, the, the reason also he is surrounded by strife and conflict is because of these desires. Why does conflict seem to be following me around? Why uh, does it seem like there's a lot of quarreling around me? Well, it's because I have this large heart. I'm a greedy person. James 4 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and world. The way this large appetite is satisfied is by simply trusting in the Lord. As it says here, it's not by getting wealth, earthly comforts, more pleasures, uh, uh, more treasures of this world that one becomes satisfied. Rather, as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4, he has learned to be content and is satisfied in his heart, whether he has plenty or whether he has little, how? It's through Christ. That is through faith in Christ. It's only by trusting in the Lord, turning to Him, placing one's hope in Him, by which one is satisfied. This is, after all, what our hearts have been looking for. As Augustine said in his confessions, O Lord our God, we were made for You. And our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. What our hearts have been searching for is only found in God. Our sinful hearts deceive us and think that it's found in this world. If I just had more stuff, if I just had more comforts, then I would be happy. But the truth is only the Lord can satisfy our hearts so that they are sated. And so this is the Apostle Paul's prayer for us in Ephesians 3. Not that we would get all the things we would ever want in this world as much as God does bless us with earthly goods for which we should be thankful, but that we would know the height and breadth and depth and width of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that our eyes would turn to God as He is revealed to us in the Gospel, in the bleeding and dying man on the cross, who laid down His life so that we would have pleasures forevermore. That we would have true satisfaction and joy in His presence. That He would take all the suffering and punishment for our sins. That one day, we would experience true life. And we can experience that even now. We don't have the fullness of that now. But we who have Christ, have the life. We have true life. It's eternal life is to know the true God and the Lord Jesus Christ whom He has sent. 
And so may we grow in our knowledge and trust of the Lord and be truly satisfied in our hearts only and ultimately with the love of Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we ask that we would be satisfied with Christ. We confess that we are often satisfied with the things of this world and that we are wise in our own eyes and we are proud and we choose choose relationships over truth. Father, we ask that You would please forgive us for these things and help us to fix our eyes on Christ. Give us the eyes of faith to know and see Him more deeply so that our hearts are at rest in Him. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.